Welcome to Set on Sunday, a podcast by Killable Anglican where we talk about what was said on Sunday or even what we didn't have time to say on Sunday. We are passionate about being deep in the Word of God and doing life together in community. So thanks for letting us into your week as we learn more about Jesus together. Here's today's episode. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Set on Sunday podcast. My name's Beck, and I'm hosting the podcast today. And joining me today to discuss all things Psalm 8 is Dave. Hello Dave. Hey Beck, how are you going? I am fine. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be better after we talk about the glory of God and all of that stuff, I think. Totally, yeah. totally, yes, yes. <laughs> how about you Dan, how are you? Hello, yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm Ready to talk about the glory and wonder of God from Psalm 8. It's really good. (laughs) Excellent. Um, All right. Well, before we get into actually talking about Psalm 8 itself, I thought it might be helpful because we're starting a new series to talk about why why is studying the Psalms helpful? Yeah. uh, I think for a lot of churches they uh, study the Psalms but they sort of squeeze it into the school holidays Mm -hmm. or they think – what are we going to do over summer? Oh, let's do a couple of psalms. And so very rarely do you have a whole sermon series on the psalms. And I think that's a great tragedy. Um, not that it's a tragedy in any way just to sort of <laughs> squeeze the psalms here. They're great things to study in and by themselves. Uh, but uh, rather than just sort of do one here and there, let's dive in. Now, we can't do them all. Like there's 150 psalms. It mm. would, you know, take us three cons- you know, consistent years working hard at it uh, to get through them all. Uh, so what we've done is chosen a select group of psalms mm-hmm. uh, and really tried to think carefully about uh, how does this psalm relate to a particular season that you may find yourself in? Uh, and so that's the whole premise of the series, you know, uh, um, it's called Psalms, a song for every season, uh, because I think in the Psalms there is a song for every season mm. uh, that you can almost possibly walk through. So, mm. um, yeah, and like already on Sunday people are like, oh, I'm so glad we're doing like a whole series on mm. the Psalms. Uh, and we've covered some meaty stuff this yeah. year. I mean the Psalms cover some meaty stuff, but yeah. it's probably not going to be as controversial, but I think it's going to be just as helpful. Yeah, definitely. I hope so. Mm. Um, with my Bible college um, hat on, I think they, um, why should we study the Psalms? Well, there's such a rich and deep theology that is the through line for so many of the Psalms. And um, I think even in the selection that we have, we'll start to see those through lines in, as we look at the different seasons that they represent and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, there's just such a, a joy in reading them and being in them in the way that we are now, I think. And and pastoral hat on as well, like we've already said, there's one for every season and they, they're real and the Psalms meet you where you're at as well. Mm. Um, and I think particularly with like, I was looking at this, and it's part of the reason why I read out the first two verses of um, Psalm 1 on Sunday when I was service leading. Um, they uh, like they, they kind of justify their own existence in a way and being able to study them because it's, it's like, um, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, but those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. And that there it says that, that they're a tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. And then it says it contrasts the wise person who is in God's word planted well to the wicked who isn't planted well, and that those people will fall before God. And uh, doomed for destruction, but 
And he says right at the end of Psalm 1, the God watches over those who are in him and and are close to him in that way. Um, so like, and it's kind of like it starts off with that bookend and the rest of the Psalms is kind of like, well, how do you, how do you rest in close, in closer to God? Well, you sing his praises, you rest in these things that we're about to read in the entire book. And mm. that's so awesome. I love that. It's, it, it, yeah, they justify their own existence because they allow us to get closer to God in every season that, that, that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. Psalm 1 is a beautiful opening to the, to the whole Psalter. I love saying the word Psalter. So, so I just good. had to Such chuck it in. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think um, I got to study the Psalms um, at Bible College as well. And I'm really grateful that I did because the Psalms are really what helped me stay connected to God in a time of um, of extreme suffering when I was in the ICU after a difficult surgery. So I don't remember everything, obviously, from studying, but what I do remember is just um, the, the connection that you can have to God by being honest and open with him. I remember in my course there was a lady who just kept on saying, the psalmist is so honest and um, that really gave me permission to speak to speak to God with my real mind, not to try and sugarcoat it. So, yeah, I've personally found the Psalms extremely helpful too. So back to Psalm 8, Dave. Yeah. What did you talk about on Sunday? Yeah, so Psalm 8 uh, really sort of wrestles with the question of what is humanity. And uh, the, the great thing that Psalm 8 does for us is it uh, – frames the answer to that question in relation to God and who he is. And I, and I think it's a mistake to try and answer that question without God uh, because you can't understand who we are as humanity without first wrestling uh, with the magnificence of God. And that's, that's what Psalm 8 does for us. It shows us how big and vast God is and then asks the question, what is mankind that you care for them or are even mindful of them? Uh, and gives us the answer of humanity that you know we're crowned a little uh, with with glory and honor, made a little lower than the angels, and, and that's just such a wonderful thing for us to reflect and dwell upon. Uh, and the psalmist really sort of is reflecting Genesis one and two, and you know we're made in God's image, mm. uh, and sort of just unpacking that. And we saw that. Um, while that's true of humanity, uh, we don't necessarily uphold that responsibility heaps well. Um, but we praise God for Jesus who came and did those things and we went to Hebrews 2, mm. uh, which really sort of unpacks uh, that for us. So that was Psalm 8 in a nutshell. Um, you know, the big question of what is man uh, and man is found in relation to God mm. uh, and that, that's, that's the sort of, that was a key takeaway for I want really people to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. Mm, good. Um, well, as part of your, um, I guess, glorifying God through the psalm, you were kind of showing us how vast space is yeah. um, and the study of astronomy. Yes. Um, and you must have said somewhere along the line there's a lot of guesswork in astronomy. I did. Okay. <laughs> so someone's saying, actually, um, astronomers have very reliable data about the universe we were in. Science serves to highlight the majesty of God. Yes. Uh, so the, the person who asked this question came up to me afterwards uh, and I said, um, uh, were you happy with my answer? And they said, yes, because I think what they were really uh, wanting to sort of highlight was that last bit, the mm. science serves to highlight the majesty of God. And that's sort of where you know, we went to in the, the question because I think for a lot of people, science is in uh, opposition mm. to faith and Christianity and uh, what we want to say is, no, no, what all science is doing is 
uh, discovering the the beauty and splendor of creation, uh, and you know it should point you to the uh, the person who made all those things. You know, it's the the old intelligent design mm. uh, apologetic that doesn't necessarily point you to the God of the Bible. It points you to a higher being, so to mm. speak. But mm. the, the scriptures do reveal that that God to us, uh, and did point people to uh, a, a resource. Um, by Kirsten Burkett, um, Unnatural Enemies, uh, and she does a great job in a, a short, you know, book. Um, and uh, she's a very smart lady, mm. and uh, she just points out that they're unnatural enemies. Science and Christianity—they've uh, always gone hand in hand with one another. Um, and so, yeah, like I, and I know for many people, their friends are like, "Oh, science, this and this, it disproves," and like it, it doesn't. Uh, they go hand in hand with one another, uh, and that's a really important thing for us. And in terms of you know guesswork in astronomy, like I'm not a scientist, um, <laughs> I'm just a lowly pastor. So I always sort of put it in there to go like you know I, I've I've checked the facts, but I could be wrong. They could be wrong. I don't know. It feels like well, we don't know everything. They know right? everything. That what they know, yeah. they might be very precise about certain details, sure. but sure, we don't know everything yet. No, so and still... I certainly don't know everything. So I was very happy to sort of. <laughs> You know, have some humility around it to go, this is what I think it looks like. But, look, I could be wrong. They could be wrong. That's okay. Mm, It still looks pretty great. (laughs) The point was very simple. Like Vast. The vast glory of it. (laughs) It is enormous. Like it it just makes your head hurt just Mm. how big the world is and that there is a God who sits behind it. Like it's even bigger. Mm. It's got to be. Anyway. Yeah. It, it, when I think about this space, I always think of like, um, particularly, and it's relevant to some, I think, well, might be a good segue to the next question as well, but like how glorious it is that God has made us these tiny little portions of his creation um, with the capability to even have the, the knowledge to understand parts of it and to be able to unfold those layers, however small and however long that takes to be able to grasp just the inner workings of the universe that he's made. Like he could have given us the capability just to have no grasp of that, but by his grace, he's given us the knowledge to unpack that. And I think that just points us back to the majesty that we, that, that, and the wonder that, that, that we were talking about on Sunday. Like, Yeah. And with the vast and how big it is, do you ever wonder, like this is, this is a vulnerable moment for me, um, do you ever wonder whether there's genuinely no other human life form on any other galaxy? I do wonder about that. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, I feel so much better fiction. already. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like not, not in the weird interstellar yeah. sort of way, you know, like, you know. But is it possible? It is it possible. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Surely. But just you yeah. think how vast the world is and you think, you know, like, yes, it pushes you to go, man, like I am so, such a tiny blip, but yet like have the comprehension to, you know, uh, do these things, but is is this it? Are there other ones? Are there other? Anyway. Mm, I love thinking about do that. You? Yeah, like, and um, I mean, I have these chat with my kids from time to time. They're like, one of my kids loves space, um, and but the reality is, if there are into other intelligent life forms, God's also Lord of them. Yeah, like He's God of the universe. He made them too. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it changes anything. No, it in doesn't the Bible. change anything. Um, <laughs> but it's it's cool to think about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I read um, C.S. Lewis's um, space trilogy. So good. Like, get into it. It's really fun. Because <laughs> um, he talks about like that kind of thing. Like, there are these people on other planets, and 
they're in various degrees of their sort of discovery of God. Very good. Anyway, yeah. I didn't think we're going to go there in this podcast, but we did. Well, but then, like, then just to sort of while, while we're in a safe space, um, <laughs> um, you sort of go then like Jesus on earth, like that's that's the pathway to heaven. Yeah. But if there are ones, like, what does that mean for them? Anyway, mm. they. So then that that's for yeah. me. I go, oh, maybe there's not because Jesus came here. But again, from a realm of possibility, mm. it's possible, right? Yeah. Anyway, I feel like a crackpot putting it out. <laughs> Aliens in heaven? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> we might we might detract this whole thing, James. Move on. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's all part of the wonder. Am I right? It is. Like, Absolutely. So long as you're, so long as everything's always under the sovereignty of God, then yes. it's it's safe territory to wander. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, let's come back to earth though, guys, um, and um, talk a bit more about the image of God in us earthlings. Um, so Dave, can you explain more about what being made in the image of God means? Is it a metaphor? Is it literal? Is it somehow both? Yeah, and, and uh, the, the image of God uh, comes up in Genesis 1, you know, where, where God said that he, we are made in his image. Uh, and so... Uh, sometimes we can think um, uh, very earthly way about it, which is you know not unsurprising. So when I talk about being made in the image of Chris Kewen, who's my dad, it's very obvious, right? Like there's, I put up a photo of my dad uh, and you know uh, my brother, and you would go, yeah, you are in the image, you know, same sort of smile. Uh, very similar hairstyles uh, <laughs> through the family. And you go, oh, yeah, like he's his image. Is that what it means when, you know, us as God's children, we go, oh, that's, you know. Um, and it's not necessarily about physical characteristics at that point. Um, uh, and what it means to be an image bearer is more like his representative here on earth, uh, which is the sort of line I had in there. He wants us to be his image bearers to represent him and who he is on earth. Uh, and that's why uh, we, we go when we talk about um, uh, being made in his image about the rule and responsibility that we're giving. That's what it looks like to express his image because that's what Genesis 1 and 2 ask us uh, to do. Now, obviously, the person who's made in the perfect image of God is Jesus. Mm. Uh, and so when it talks about being Christ-like, um, you know, we want to better reflect his image uh, in it, so uh, I don't think it's a. It's not a literal thing. It's not like we need to conform or contort our bodies physically uh, to be His image. Uh, but it is more about the person that we are uh, to be more Christ-like, that perfect image bearer. Uh, so that's a brief explanation on image. There's probably heaps more that can be said to unpack it. But Dan, I um found a really helpful article on Gospel Coalition when I was looking at this. Um, it divided into a bunch of categories. So there's there was occupation, which is what you were saying. We are vice regents. We are um, of, of, of God. We are told to, to subdue and to command and to represent God in the creation around us. But also then uh, beyond that, 
image of God also means capability, which is we are we have a dignity. There is we are distinguished from animals. We are unique within creation, and we are made for relationship too. And like mm. that's the image of God too is the relationship that He has as the Godhead, the Trinity. We also can have with Him, but also with each other as well. And then the last one was destiny as well, which is um, we have we see how our imageness should be in Jesus, as you were saying, Dave, as well, in the perfection that he shows of what we can be. And we have the image of God in us means that we have the ability to emulate that to a degree at, in this side of, of eternity. And I, I quite like that distinction, the capability, the occupation and the destiny. I think that was a really helpful thing um, to categorize in those terms, I guess. Mm. And it's important, I think, to note that the image of God is multifaceted. Because if you focus in on one thing, you can exclude certain human groups <laughs> um, from that category. So I did a disability ministry subject last semester and um, we were sort of talking about the implication of thinking of the image of God just as function, um, like being God's rulers over creation. What if you have an intellectual disability or a physical disability that that makes it hard for you to, um, to achieve that function? Um, are you then not creating the image of God? Of course you are because it's a multifaceted, um, a multifaceted image. And the one that disability ministry um, particularly um, resonates with is the relational image. And looking at that um, Genesis 1.26, we've got um, God speaking in a plural um, pronoun about, about himself. He's saying let us Uh, make man in our own image, sort of emphasising that relational quality to God himself as being the Trinity and in relationship with himself. When he makes us in his image, we are able to have the capacity for relationship with him. Um, And anyone, regardless of their ability or disability, can fit into that category. And I think that's profoundly dignifying and really important to keep in mind in this conversation. And it's it's where we went a little bit with Psalm 8. You know, when I I did a bit of the compare and contrast with, you know, even um, Philip Adams and Peter Singer. Yes. Uh, And if if you haven't, uh, if you went there on Sunday, it'd be good to go back and just sort of... uh, uh, interact with those because it is very important in terms of you know that that worth of who we are uh, as as humans being found in the image of God is actually um, there's lots of implications you know around people with disabilities uh, around people uh, who are sick in some way uh, and people who even uh, have a significant cost to our health system mm-hmm. uh, to keep alive um, if you're uh, just a you know utilitarian, you know, just end just justifies, well, if I end that person's life, that saves us hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if I do it a lot of times, it's going to save us billions of dollars. Um, that's that's a very crude way to think mm. about, or oh, that person's not actually contributing to society in the same way as that per- Like it's a very crude way of thinking about it and profoundly unchristian. Mm. Um, but uh, there are swathes of society who are, influenced and you know uphold that and i just think that we you know from a christian point of view we want to lead society and go that's not how we want to be mm. and it does drive from that image of god um, that humans have it and animals don't mm. and I, I think there's also things in there that we should um you know it's why i think um murder is worse than whaling like it's there's a more profound tragedy in it because we, we are the ones who carry the image of God. Uh, yes, we need to be good stewards of creation and all those things, um, 
you know, that, that's part of the, the role as well. That's what God gave us. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. Is Genesis 9, Genesis 9 verse 6, I think. Uh, Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed for the image of God, for in the image of God has God made mankind. Yeah, yeah, that's a great place to go. Mm, So it's, uh, yeah, so that's sort of saying that there is something profoundly dignified and important um, about a human being because of the way God made them to reflect his image. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As the, the image of God stuff is so deeply powerful. Like if, if we go and do you know, a series on Genesis, it's one of the places you want to stop mm. uh, and really unpack for all the reasons Dan was saying um, because it is so multifaceted and understanding it in its whole is quite profound and super helpful. Yeah, and it really grounds our whole worldview when you talk about the big worldview questions of why are we here, what were we created for, like it's all wrapped up in in that one gen, uh, that Genesis 1 verse 26 and 27 that we're created in his image. But it is hard to understand so we'll probably keep talking about it. Let's do that <laughs> now actually. Um, so we have a question about um, God's image from the sermon um, if humans are made in God's image and are valued enough that God would send his own son to die for us, then why are we lower than angels, as it says in verse 5, I think? Yeah. What is the qualifier for who is high and who is low and what does it mean for angels to be higher than us? How's your theology of angels, Beck? Not good. Yeah. However, <laughs> um, I did ha- have a flick around a few commentaries and so I'll share what I think that they were saying and you guys can correct and, and fill in the blanks. Um, I think that when it when the psalmist is saying he made us a little lower than the angels, it's actually not about status or value. It's more a positional comment about where humankind sits in the spectrum of created beings so you've got the angels who are heavenly beings and then you've got the beasts who are like er, like full-on earthly creatures and then you've got us that kind of sit in the middle we're in this mediating position so to say that mankind is create is had been made a little lower than the angels and in some translations it says a little lower than the heavenly beings which i think highlights this point probably more, um, is that we aren't divine, we aren't heavenly creatures, um, but we're a little lower than them. Um, And so it's actually to elevate us, not to diminish us and say that we're not as good as the angels. It's more a positional statement about who we are, which I think resonates really nicely with our role as image bearers, um, sort of giving um giving god to the earth in a sense in the in the way that we um reflect his image here on the earth i don't know what do you guys think i find it interesting that our natural inclination is to be like oh why aren't we higher than them or why aren't we why aren't they below us or that kind of it's it's that kind of almost i guess hubris in a way or like that pride that we have in ourselves but no i love that point of we are that interesting little mediating point between the two worlds. And I think that's, yeah, I've always thought of it as that positional thing too. Um, but yeah, no, interesting observation in that. Um, yeah. Trying to grasp something higher than what we are. Mm. Yeah. I mean, angels come up in all sorts of different places all through the scriptures. 
Uh, and sometimes it's a little bit hard to grasp exactly who are they, what, what are they doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so Hebrews 13 says, um, when you entertain strangers, sometimes you've entertained angels. Mm-hmm. Just be careful who you invite around for dinner, right? Uh, they could be angelic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the book of Revelation starts with the letter uh, to each of the churches and addressed to the angel of this church. Uh, so uh, it, it's, you know, and different points, you know, in Jesus' ministry, angels come to minister to him uh, or angels appear to uh, various people. In, you know, it, so it's sort of hard to grasp exactly. Mm, it is. Uh, who and what are these things? Yes, they, they seem to play a, a place in the spiritual realm. Um, but, you know, anyway, I, there's, I just don't think there's enough in the scriptures to give us a concrete here it all is. You know, like I'm sure if you looked up a gospel coalition, they've, they've probably got, you know, multiple good things to say on angels that are much more intelligent than what, what I'm saying, which I don't even know what I'm saying. The, it's interesting, like some of the things I can think of, like when we meet angels or these heavenly beings, it's always there's a reverence there as well because they are higher than us and like, I think of like Mary as well when when he when she, when she got the mes- message about Jesus and like being, um yeah like just just generally it's always there's not a, it's not normally a submission but yeah it's that awe as of the they are this heavenly being this being higher than us so in the same way in a similar way not same similar way to why we bow down before God because of His Majesty we also bow down before angels because there's an order there as well, um but. And I think there's also interesting with like, we don't understand. I mean, the Bible is very sparse on some of this, Hmm. but in a way that might also be a concession for us too. Like it's, it's a realm that's spiritual that we may not have the capability or we don't have the capability fully to comprehend it in a, I think a meaningful way like God can, or like, like people in that realm can like it, it, I think there might be, yeah, there, there might be an element of concession there and trying to, like, do these do these angelic beings are they taking on a form that is reverent for us and then don't have a form? Like, all these questions pop up, and the theology of angels is hard because it's, yeah, it's hard to comprehend. Yeah, it it, it is. Um, uh, but it, even when it talks about angels and what their role is and why we can't piece it together, we can for humanity, uh, like. Um, and so grasping that we're made in his image, we don't know what the angels in terms of what image, right? Um, uh, it's humanity here that says, well, it's a little lower. It's, we're still the ones who are crowned with glory and honour. You know, it's still, you know, um, in, in Matthew 19, um, those who, who follow me will sit on the 12 thrones judging the 12. Like it, the angels aren't even involved necessarily in that. Like it's us. Like mm-hmm. so, there's all sorts of things I go for humanity. Like there's so many wonderful things that God's given us, um, and so many privileges. Uh, I'm pretty content. Mm. Not losing sight of the blessings that we have yeah. in comparison to these yeah. beings. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if this. I don't know if this is right. It just popped into my head um, from the, my studies in the Psalms. But one of the features of the poetry in the Psalms is that parallelism um, where the psalmist says the same thing twice but in slightly different language. And the fact that um, in Psalm 8 you've got um, he made he made man, I don't have it right in front of me, but he made man a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory. And so I wonder if there's a parallelism there which, like I was saying before, that to say that we're a little lower 
than the heavenly beings is actually elevating us um, because we've got the crowning happening in that next, very next um very next section, second the second part of that. So I don't know whether that's a little bit of parallelism. Maybe if there's a biblical scholar in the congregation that can let us know, that would be great. It's interesting in the Hebrews passage, and I, I, I picked this up when I was doing prep, but I, I sort of just let it, let it slide. Um, but in Hebrews 2, when uh, the writer quotes Psalm 8, uh, so Hebrews 2, 7 is, uh, you made them a little lower. And the footnote for little there in verse 7 is uh, for a little while. Mm. So uh, there's almost a sense there in which, um, uh, and I don't know whether what the writer's doing is picking up more on Jesus and saying for a little while he sent mm. him lower than the angels or whether it's a comment to say there's actually no hierarchy. Mm. Um, but who knows? I, just, I, I did notice that that was a difference uh, between the Psalm 8 and the Hebrews 2 sort of um, mm. versions of, of Psalm 8. So. Which makes sense if Hebrews is directly in reference to Jesus. Totally. Because he is yes. um, elevated and he's, he's in heaven now. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting. Thank you for the question. Um, let's all keep wrestling with it. Um, for now, let's move on to our next question, which is just solid application. Would you guys be willing to share how Psalm 8 quote unquote, changed your Monday. Yeah, so this is a pickup from, uh, I, I had a little bit of refrain through there as we went through some of um, uh, the atheist responses to humanity, like, does, will, will that change your Monday? Will that motivate you to get out of bed when the alarm clock goes off uh, on a Monday or any day really to go, yeah, let's keep going? Um, and, you know, uh, Given the verbal response in the room, I think the answer was a no, mm. um, which is nice. Um, but yeah, so uh, Psalm eight, like, and you know, as as the preacher, um, all the things I said definitely changed my Monday, um, and they they sort of change every day. Like, uh, and you know, the the motivation in life to keep going in the monotony of what is suburban life for most people. Um, and, and even me as a pastor, like there's a, there's a, a rhyme and a rhythm to, to life uh, that if you don't cast your eyes above um, every now and then, you, you start to wonder why am I doing this? Uh, and I'm not immune to those thoughts. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, like for most days for me, why, why am I doing this? Uh, and, and Psalm 8 I think really helps uh, to keep that bigger, broader perspective. Um, so, yeah, it's changed my Monday. Mm. I think particularly um, for me, the it's that meaning thing too. It's like, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Like, and I just particularly how it changed, I think reminds and continues to change my Monday for me. Um, just waking up in the morning and looking out, like what you were saying about seeing, looking over the, the water and the cliffs and the vastness of the things that we have even just around us, let alone other planets and the vastness of space, like getting up and seeing a sun, a sunrise, get what end of the day, seeing a sunset, like God has placed that where it is. And he is giving, he has given me dignity in this world. And that is just mind boggling. <laughs> like, and I just, that the vastness of creation and the beauty of creation. And that's that whole um, general re revelation is the term that they call it. Um, but just, 
yeah, looking at creation and really feeling the, yeah, God's behind this. And that's amazing. Like, and yeah, and that drives him back to him and just continues to, yeah. And, and if he's done all that, well, he has a, must have a plan for me and, and a, the, the dignity that I have and that he's made me in his image. So it means that we can keep going and how awesome that is kind of thing. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's so helpful to constantly be reorienting ourselves to that spiritual reality of who we are, um, who we are made in God's image, who we are in Christ. And um, personally for me, like I'm just feeling quite overwhelmed by a lot of things going in my life right now. Um, like we're moving house soon. I'm at the end of my semester. I've got heaps to do and I'm freaking out. Um, and so like this just pausing and just reflecting on what am, what am I made for um, and who God is and understanding his sovereignty and his great power and majesty just puts all of my problems into perspective. And I'm not going to lie, I have to do that nearly hourly um, and I don't. That's why I get freaked out again. Um, I do, I'm constantly trying to rein myself in um, with the truths of scripture. Um, and so Psalm 8 has been really powerful for that for me. And also just like if you feel like you're not achieving at your best to understand that our achievements don't actually define our value. Um, and I think that really resonates in Psalm 8 as well. Great. All right. No, I do feel better now actually. Thanks, Great. guys. Um, I'll Good. meet you back here in an hour because <laughs> I'll, I'll need another pep talk. Um, but for now, what will we be talking about next Sunday? Yeah, so we're jumping ahead Psalm 34 uh, and Psalm 34 is uh, one of the oh, – uh, it, it has the line in taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, and so I think a lot of people know that verse, potentially don't know the context in which David wrote that psalm, uh, which is a fascinating and wonderful story, which I'm really looking forward to um, uh, unpacking and, and showing people the story in which mm. it comes. But really the, 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 this, this, the season is the season of salvation, you know, um, and the, the big idea is experiencing God's goodness uh, will leave you wanting more. Uh, it's the taste and see that God is good. Uh, and I think for many of us, we've tasted part of it, but we all have areas of our lives uh, where we're not willing to put that piece of food in our mouths to taste, if I mm. could use that metaphor, mm. Uh, mm. for God and his goodness. Mm. Yeah, so that's what we're looking at. Sounds excellent. Well, we hope that you'll join us on Sunday and hear all about that. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'd love you to join us at Kellyville Anglican any Sunday at 8.30, 10.30 or 6.15pm. You can find out more information at www.ka.church. So come join us and see for yourself what is said on Sunday.